Welcome to the Winning with Shopify podcast. This is the podcast to help you scale your Shopify store into a money-making machine. This podcast is sponsored by Privy. Privy is the fastest way to grow sales with email and SMS. You can build your list, save abandoned carts, send money-making emails and texts, and more, all in one place. Plus, you'll get coaching and support from e-commerce experts no matter where you start. Sign up for a free 15-day trial today by heading over to www.privy.com slash winning to get started. Your host is Nick Truman. He's a Shopify expert and the CEO of JustAskParker.com, a global specialist marketing agency for Shopify owners. Nick will be sharing his knowledge and interviewing the experts to help you thrive and build an e-commerce business that makes you more money. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Here's your host, Nick Truman. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Winning Shopify podcast. For anyone that's not tuned in before, welcome to the show. It's an absolute pleasure to have you all listening in. My name's Nick. I've been hosting the show for a couple of years now. I've literally just about hit 100 episodes of this podcast, which it doesn't feel that long, which I think is a good thing. If you are new, please go and hit that subscribe button. It means you never miss an episode. If you can leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform as well, it really helps the show out. And if you want to reach out and have a chat, and I said this last week and I didn't regret it, and I said I might, but I didn't regret it. We've got some lovely emails, a couple of which have led some episodes we put in the diary as well. So if you want to reach out, go and check out winningwithshopify.com. This podcast is completely free. The website is completely free and it's completely free to reach out. So if you want to give us some feedback, recommend some topics to talk about or give us some of the challenges you're facing at the moment, not only will I try and respond to some of those challenges and give you some ideas and some feedback on how I think you can turn things around and with some case studies, etc. But also those ideas that you send in, they do help us shape the show. So we know what topics to be talking about, what's a hot topic at the moment. You can imagine how many emails we got about the iOS update, Facebook advertising, et cetera, et cetera, just as an example. So on to today's topic. I won't call any of you greedy for clicking on today's topic, um, but you've probably seen in the title. Today, we're going to be talking about how to make money from Shopify. And we've got an amazing guest called Mikey, who's going to be joining us today. Mikey is a serial entrepreneur. He sits on both sides of what I describe as the fence. He provides help to Shopify stores through apps and various other bits we're going to uncover on this. He also has his own businesses running on Shopify. So without further ado, Mikey, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. So happy to be here. A huge Shopify fan. So this is really special and I love this podcast. So it's going to be amazing for me just to listen to this episode over and over. <laughs> well, I don't know if you're like me, but I hate the sound of my own voice. So I, I rarely listen to the episodes apart from just checking the audio. But before we dive in, Mikey, tell us a bit about yourself and we'll kind of run from there and we'll see where we go in this conversation. Yeah, so I've been a entrepreneur for about 16 years now. So when I talk about certain things on this podcast, there was many, many years of failure before probably some of the highlights that we'll discuss today. But, you know, going through a lot of those failures and mistakes had really led the way to think differently and a little bit more strategic with how I do things, uh, which made a lot of changes in my life. I started off with the basic lemonade stand as a kid, went into sports cards and collectibles. I had a little bit of a break from entrepreneurship for a while. I got in the food industry about 16 years ago. I did that for a while. That business ended up failing. Always been huge with the online stuff. Started my first e-commerce shop back in 2006. 
and just kind of learned along the way. And now I'm in the beauty industry, beauty and tech, I would say. So a little bit of both real heavy on the Shopify platform, huge fan of Shopify and what they're doing. And now I'm here speaking with you. So it's exciting times. Nice. And you've just reminded me of an email we get regularly from lots of different people. Just just to be really clear, so everybody's listening, we're not affiliated with Shopify at all. We're on the partner program. We love Shopify, and as Mikey said, but we're not Shopify. We don't get paid for running this podcast. We do it because we believe in the platform. So just just to make it clear that to everybody, like we are completely independent. And it's to be honest, that is something I probably should have covered a couple of years ago when I first started hosting because we do get a lot of questions about it. But Mikey, so okay, so started an ecom in two thousand and six. Let's ask a really big question, which we might cover in a couple of sentences, or this might be like the next hour of chatting. What was e-commerce like in 2006? And the context of that question is, a lot of people listening I know are quite new to just running an online store, new to Shopify, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So they're coming in, I would say, in like the, the glory years of Shopify. And it's like, click a few buttons, you're selling some products. What was it like in 2006 when you first started? Oh, it was a lot more challenging than it is today. I was on a platform, it was called Pro Stores, which was actually owned by eBay. And it didn't have the templates and all the integrations and developers and everything else like Shopify does today. It, it definitely was a lot more challenging. Things didn't look near as clean and pretty as we can make websites uh, today or user-friendly. You know, there was very little to do with images, obviously no video on a website. Oh my God, it would just totally crash the whole thing or just run so slow. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. So it was, it was way different. I mean, it's come so far so fast and just kind of being along that ride is just, and just watching it all happen has been amazing. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, just looking at Shopify, I mean, how long, and this, this is quite an interesting question, I think, to ask, how long did it take you to set up, like, I don't know, a shopping cart on a website back in, like, 2006? I know there were some plug-and-play systems, but, like, in general, compared to just filling out a form on the Shopify.com site. Yeah, I think I had four main products when I first launched, when I was in the food industry. I, was make, I had sauces, so I was in the sauce business. I had four products. And I think it took me about, I worked about 80 hours <laughs> almost straight to get the four products launched on a website and things working and not looking good at all. Yeah. I mean, we, we had all of those challenges, I think, of like getting developers to do stuff. And I think if you went back there now and told them about Shopify and the kind of just clicks and buttons and you've got a whole store and it even comes with a theme, the cart is already made up. You just tell Shopify where to send the money, basically, like which bank account send it to. It's it's a complete game change now. When when did you adopt Shopify? Like when was your first time you were like, okay, going to try this new Shopify system, see what everybody's shouting about? Actually, that's a good question because we actually first got on Shopify in 2016, and we were going. And back in 20, so obviously, so if you've been with Shopify for a while, you know Shopify payments is basically just a white labeled version of Stripe. So they're partners in in payments. So Stripe, we're in the beauty industry and like we sell real high high end wigs and extensions, which are, you know, our average order value is probably about $250, $260 right now. So these products are real expensive, but a lot of people did chargebacks and would try to do fraud. So we were actually on the Shopify platform. Then they said we couldn't use Shopify payments. 
So then there was that additional fee. And I said, well, I'm not paying this. I hopped over to WordPress. Uh, a few things happened a year or so later. And then I hopped back on Shopify back in 2018. Nice. So was that Word- WordPress with WooCommerce running? Right. So we've just had a client launch a WooCommerce site and it's clunky. I mean, di- yeah, just, just, just trying to get that payment gateway to work. And what's worse is they then turn around and say, let's put our, because their products are beauty products. And they sort of said, well, let's just, let's also offer a subscription model. And you could just, I was on the call at the time and you could see the developer's eyes on Zoom. <laughs> it was like this moment of like, don't do that. It's so bad. And it was, I think it was like seven or eight add-ons to WooCommerce later. Subscriptions were working. Whereas we've not had them on the show, but I, I've worked quite a lot in the past with Recharge, who are one of the biggest subscription recharging payments. You know, they take payments on a regular basis for you from your customers. Again, just the technology stack is is so good. So let's let's dive into some of the learnings then. So like, let's talk about Shopify learnings. What what were some of the things you discovered quite early on when you came back from WordPress, back from the dark side, and, uh, <laughs> and jump back into Shopify? What were some of the things you learned quite quickly that that worked or didn't work? On the platform well one of the most important things is what i tell new entrepreneurs is make sure you start off on the right platform first so even if say a platform is a little bit cheaper but then you're looking at shopify which is still obviously very very affordable for what you get we in 2017 we published 2016 2017 we published just over a thousand blog posts with an average word count of about probably close to 2,000 words wow so our seo was just unbelievable. So when Mm. we moved all that from WooCommerce and WordPress over to Shopify, even with the proper redirects and all the correct SEO that you're supposed to do, complete disaster. Complete disaster. I mean, our search, our rankings, it still to this day hasn't come back like it should have. We're still going back and redoing links and everything else. So I would say first, start on the right platform. I, I like Shopify. Honestly, one of the big reasons is they're a publicly traded company. Yep. So when you're a publicly traded company, you <laughs> you have a lot of people that are like, you need to be making money. To do so, they need to be pushing the needle at all times, thinking outside of the box, continuously growing their products and services. Compared to a more open format program like uh, WordPress, they don't really have that that necessity to push super hard. I feel like that Shopify does. Hmm. And that's why Shopify has built, I think, the biggest ecosystem of developers. They're always coming out with something innovative. And, you know, it's just it's it's an exciting time for sure to be on Shopify, especially the last couple of years as they have started to really push the needle with all sorts of additional services. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. There's, there's, there's so much new stuff coming out on Shopify. Plus, on top of that, you've also got the app marketplace. And as an SEO person, I often warn people about page speed. And every time you put any sort of new app on your site, do a page speed scan before and after whatever page that's on, it's like on some collections, products, homepage, static pages, store pages, blog posts, whatever. Be careful with apps because of page speed. But at the same time, there are so many good apps that can do so much for you. We've had quite a few apps on the podcast over the last few months, all that do very different, unique, interesting, crazy things. Plus, as you say, you've got Shopify pushing the needle on this. One of the big things that Shopify launched a few years ago was the international Shopify Plus platform. Now, I don't know about you, Mikey, but I've worked in SEO for a long time and I've done a lot of internationalization of sites with SE, you know, from an SEO perspective as the SEO consultant on boards. And it, generally speaking, has always been a nightmare. And it's not a nightmare from the SEO point of view because you're like, it's quite simple what we need to do. 
it's always a nightmare from the tech point of view. So getting platforms like Magento or Hybris or even WordPress to work across different territories and getting your href lang tags working, et cetera, different domains. I feel like Shopify, they were a bit late launching it. It was a lot later than they wanted to, but it just works so seamlessly that like on plus you can just have multiple stores, one inventory coming from, I don't know, Bright Pearl or something feeding into one place. Yeah, Shopify Plus has been a game changer for us in having those expansion stores. So we don't sell internationally, but I think if I did, I have kind of our domain name for all the different countries. So the question is, are you doing the international stores as one store or is it expansion stores? You're basically duplicating the store and putting it on that international domain. Most of them have been expansion stores. So where we've got like a US store, a UK store, and then right. it's like, okay, now we're going to launch an EU store. Now we're going to launch a Canadian store, an Australian store, and even with sort of local warehousing there, but actually synchronizing things like the liquid templates. Right. So if we make a design change on one store, that can, with a click of a button, you can roll that out on all the stores, which then means you've got this uniform. So you've got one team of developers that can work globally across all the sites without the sites becoming, they could look different and they can work differently, but the raw code and the raw liquid templates are all pretty much the same. Right. Yeah, it's definitely a game changer. And, you know, even going back to the apps and, you know, being careful about how many apps you have in your store, it's actually surprisingly easy for a lot of the basic things just to have a developer from a cost perspective too. just go ahead and do it. If you're not real tech savvy, I think adding the apps just to kind of get it going and seeing if if this is really a feature that you need for your store, is it going to make a difference? When you remove that app, always, of course, I highly recommend having someone, if you're not... If you don't know how to do it yourself, definitely go through or have a developer go through and remove if there's any leftover code that gets stuck kind of in your theme or in the site, because that will also slow things down a little bit. So that's definitely something that I would look at doing. But the, the app ecosystem is it's truly unbelievable. I mean, what can't you do at this point with a Shopify app? <laughs> I think, I mean, there, there is one thing that is the bane of my life, and it's not so much an app, but... This is easier or a lot easier, I'd say, on WordPress, and that's page speed. And it's not just it's the page speed score. So it's not just the speed. It's the cumulative layout shifts and what's the largest content full paint. I mean, as an SEO nerd, like page speed is such an important part at the moment. May last year, Google went mad and released all these new, you know, the four new sort of like how your page is loading type things. And it's so it is limited what you can do within Shopify. Well, I say limited. It is unlimited. And you can get the store to be pretty good, but you have to kind of work the Shopify system to get it to work. Whereas on something like WordPress, there are apps, there are plugins, and there are systems like, uh, I don't want to mention too many because I know how many people listen to the podcast, but one we do use from time to time is Nitro Pack on WordPress. And you sort of install that, it costs a little bit of money per year, not a lot. But it means your uh, mobile page speeds up at like 98, 99 out of 100 in no time. There's not a lot of that on Shopify However, I can't mention today, but there are two different guests we're getting on that are bringing a bit of a game changer to Shopify through an app. And both of them have come from WordPress, which is quite exciting. Apart from the odd instance, and we could probably both put out lots of examples, I completely agree. I think there's there's not a lot you can't do on Shopify. And I, I think one of the big scary things people have with Shopify, and if anyone's listening to this thinking like, oh my gosh, I want to be on Shopify, but we can't migrate our API feeds won't work, the warehouse won't synchronize with it. Be assured that we moved last year alone, three Hybris stores to Shopify Plus. And Hybris is pretty much the biggest, clunkiest e-commerce platform in the world at the moment, in my 
in my opinion anyway. And we moved three stores across to Shopify Plus. All three of them were terrified. Is our API feed going to work, et cetera? So they commissioned a sort of small project just to see if they could use the API feed from warehouses or head office or, you know, wherever the, the sort of product data comes from and feed that into Shopify. And they were quite shocked that how quick and easy it was to create that feed in a dummy Shopify store. And then the ability to then just like click a button and have a new page, click a button, have a new collection versus how complicated those simple things actually are on Hybris. But certainly migrations, I mean, you mentioned, and I do want to come back to this, your thousand blog posts when you move from WordPress to Shopify, I mean, yeah, what a disaster. And the challenge is, I, I think Shopify is great for selling products. It's, it's not good at all for just kind of your content pages. It's not WordPress. It's not a blogging platform. Would you agree? <laughs> the one thing that just absolutely kills me about, and I'm a huge fan of Shopify, but when people are like, even when I talk to my Shopify plus success team and other people within the company, I'm like, yeah, could you guys just do inline comments on blog posts, comments, just, just inline <laughs> comments, please. Yeah. Like that's all I need because I'm trying to reply. We actually, because we have so many blog posts, we would get a lot of comments and to reply to those is with natively is a disaster. And I don't want another app just to do comments on my blog mm, yeah so I, it's so small but it's one of those things i'm like okay guys <laughs> you have a lot of money now this this should like in shopify 2.0 this should have been an update or something uh, as something but yeah i they miss the ball every, occasionally i think all companies do for selling shopify is amazing for some of the content you know i think they're getting there you know, with, with 2.0, how you can do the, the page templates now is, I think, a game changer relative to how it was before. So we're, we're moving all our sites over to the 2.0 platform. I, I personally feel like it's been a pretty easy process thus far, and cool. I'm excited to see where it's going to go here in the future. And I think that's one thing that I've always found quite good about Shopify. And again, anyone listening, it's, you feel like your store's a bit small, you're not on plus, but you do want to grow it and you want to be on plus one day. Going from like Magento 1 to Magento 2, absolute headache. I mean, basically moving from any platform to any platform, even within the same ecosystem like Magento, absolute nightmare. And obviously Magento 2 was, you had to move. It wasn't like, you know, one was for small, one was for big. But going from Shopify to Shopify Plus, the migration time is like, what, an hour? And you don't have to do anything? Right. You just sit back and enjoy. And an hour later, like you're on Shopify Plus. I mean, it, you have to have a bit of paperwork, you have to pay the fees, but it's so quick to then upgrade. So like, yeah, as you say, moving then into Shopify 2, is, it's not quite as simple as that, but it's it's still fairly easy because you're staying within the Shopify ecosystem. What, what are some of the ways you can overcome some of those restrictions then? Like you're building a page on Shopify or you're launching some blog posts. Have you guys found any ways to start at least kind of and it's not going to be perfect, but bridging that gap. Honestly, I just went back to being simple. We we do a lot of things as far as our blog posts and all that kind of information, just keeping it real simple, just using kind of the basic header tools and, you know, being able to bold some things and italicize just to split up the page. I see a lot of people make the mistake, especially when just starting out, they're, they're, doing the blogging on their desktop, but then not going back to look and see what it looks like on mobile. Yeah. So not having enough spaces, like the paragraphs should really only be two to three sentences max, just so it's easy to read on mobile. I think it's, it's just such a simple thing. And, you know, it's important to have photos on your blog post, but don't go too heavy because obviously you have the page speed issue. Mm -hmm. What we've been doing is we've been embedding a lot of YouTube videos uh, that are related to the blog posts. We're creating these videos, embedding those into the blog posts. It seems to definitely increase the time on site. 
for those pages. So that's been working out pretty well. We just started trying to really build up some of our YouTube channels and such because I think it's just such a great marketing opportunity. But I think keeping it simple, as far as the product pages go with Shopify 2.0, how you can have the different templates and plug in kind of that middle page. So you have the the main image with the main description and then underneath is generally recommended products and reviews. But to be able to build out that midsection without having to use an app is has been really good. We used... I can't remember the name of the app. It's one of the design apps that kind of makes Shopify more WordPress-like, but it was, I think on Plus, it was expensive, maybe $199 a month. Mm. And I was like, this is getting, I mean, this is really starting to add up with, you know, a couple other apps and other fees. So the fact that Shopify has kind of been building in some of these features a little bit more natively has been a huge help. And I think that is always a better approach, isn't it? And I think it's a, it's a really important point that, if you can do something natively within Shopify, within the platform, it's always a better solution. Because in, in a sense, if you put an app in, when you have page load or when the system is just working, Shopify does its thing. And then a separate system is then jumping in and doing something else. And one of the reasons I love Shopify is I love the whole concept of just they add one thing and they add it once by one team of developers everybody benefits right it's, it's just such a better approach to things and like i said back in sort of 2006 gone are the days of having developers doing manual things for us let's talk about videos because videos are really expensive uh, to, to get created and i think that's the general gist amongst pretty much all merchants they're expensive to shoot a video so i guess the question really is if somebody goes down the route of getting video what's a good place to start with video and how do you maximize the the output and obviously by maximize output i mean how do you make the most money from it you know what, what are some of the things you can do with that content well the good news is now here at the time of recording this getting video done is more cost effective than i think ever in history for my iphone that takes better quality video than my super expensive camera i had 10 years ago you know utilizing maybe a local college to find some interns that are in video you know people in school they're just dying for a reason to create content. They're there to create content. They're excited. I think utilizing that, I think having your own camera, if you can afford it. I mean, I've kind of built up a small production studio with, uh, I'm a geek myself with like the video stuff. So nice. I have tons of cameras and lenses, but having some of those items in house has been really helpful. And as you scale, you can kind of continue to grow that. We actually have a full-time videographer slash editor on the team because we believe video is so important and being in the beauty industry, it's so important. But I think honestly, some of the most successful videos on TikTok and Reels are honestly just created videos created with a cell phone. So I don't think you have to spend too much money, but definitely research what it takes to make a good video. And is a good story is I was just in, our, we have a showroom in Detroit right on 8 Mile and I was up there talking to one of our managers that she just creates a ton of TikTok videos. She has fun doing it. And I said, wow, that would be so cool if one of our videos went viral one day, wouldn't it? And she's like, yeah. And I said, okay, cool. But have you spent maybe 15, 20 minutes, even an hour researching how to make a TikTok go viral? And there's generally a certain formula of like the first three seconds has to be some sort of hook and then this, that, the other. And, you know, there's actually a formula a lot of the TikTokers use to make their videos get a lot more views. But a lot of people just start creating the content without doing just that little bit of extra research of how to get the most out of that content. So as a tip, I would spend time looking how to make 
if you're going to make a video, how do you make that video successful? Because you can make videos all day, but if you're not making the right videos the right way, it's really not going to matter. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think, I, I guess one of the questions is, you know, what, what sort of video should we shoot? And I think I completely agree with the, the cost of it is coming down dramatically. And actually, I would say customers, and this comes from other guests we've had on the show in recent months, I would say that customers and, and consumers as well, you're browsing your site, a really sort of professional, clean cut video doesn't necessarily work as well as a rough mobile phone, slightly shaky, you know, and that's been the whole success of TikTok, Instagram, a lot of the vloggers on YouTube, you know, they're walking around with these tiny little cameras to travel with, some using their phones and uploading these little videos where they're like, you know, walking along and you can literally see their footsteps in the way the camera is shaking, but it's authentic. It's real. You know, somebody's then there wearing the product or using the product or at home sitting on their sofa going, I designed this sofa on a website and it's amazing. I love this couch. You know, it's, it's literally this side is slightly different to that side because I prefer a slightly softer couch than my partner and my partner's having a slightly firmer couch. And these, I mean, these are, these are literally all real clients we've worked with who have these kind of products. But I think that kind of rough, raw, edgy video is actually pretty good. It's very authentic. And we mentioned before we hit record about VideoWise, who we had on very recently like in the last couple of weeks. And VideoWise is exactly that. Your, your customers can send in videos as reviews and you can put them on your product pages, which again is just such a powerful piece of content. How much does that cost? Well, it just costs the VideoWise platform fee. You know, the, what, what's the cost of the app? You're not paying to shoot the, shoot the video anymore. Where are some places you can use video then? And I'm thinking here for a lot of stores, it's like they might just upload it to a YouTube channel or something. But where can you use video? Like you've got some video content, website, social. Where are some good places to start, start pushing that out? I mean, I, I really would try to use it as many places as possible. I mean, I have a podcast myself. So it's funny, right before this interview, I just uploaded the episode. So one of my other editors that's overseas can take those videos. He's going to chop them up into short segments for reels and TikTok. The video part is so important these days. I honestly was in one of my showrooms in Atlanta and I just told the team, I said, guys, I, I see you all posting on social media. I appreciate it. That's great. Like, don't even bother posting a photo anymore. No one's even going to see it. Like you have to, if you're going to be creating content, like just make video content, you know, but I think putting it on your blog posts is for us, it's worked out really well. I do like the idea of videos on a product page. You just have to be careful from a, a loading perspective, I believe, unless, you know, it just, I know there's lots of ways around it and people are trying to figure out different types of code and everything else. So it, you don't have that load speed issue, but having it there, I personally don't often put a video on our homepage, but sometimes I do and I'll just try it out. We're not doing any A-B testing right now. We were doing A-B testing for a while and that can help figure it out. You know, it also depends on the industry you're in. So us being in the beauty industry, it is very helpful for people to see a video. I mean, just especially nowadays that, and, and it's funny you brought up a video wise because we were, were talking about that and I thought that was a great episode. I think everyone mm. should definitely listen to that episode. Yeah. Even if they don't use video wise, which I haven't checked out yet, but I, I definitely was going to check and I was actually in the gym working out while listening to it. So I didn't really didn't have a chance to check it out. <laughs> we'll figure out a way to capture user generated content is going to be huge, whether it's, you know, you have some sort of rapport with them, you can reach out to them and they can send it to you or you use an influencer platform and just hire an influencer. But if you can get your customers to do it, oh my God, it's so incredibly valuable. And I think a lot of the 
new review system. So we use a program called GrowWave for reviews and rewards. Nice. And yeah, and they it's actually a feature I made. I said, you guys need to implement this feature and they actually did it. So I was pretty impressed. So oh, they, that's nice, isn't it? <laughs> it's nice to be yeah, listened to. Yeah, no, and they, they did it because I was like, look, this is what hmm. you guys are doing. And I get on the phone with a lot of people, like if we're going to use an app, a lot of times I'll find out who it is and I'll be like, okay, your app's great, but if you do this, 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 it's going to make it a lot better. And one of the things was, so for our site and with GrowWave, you can have it set up where if someone leaves a review, they're going to earn rewards points for the website to, that can then later be redeemed for a coupon. But I said, this is great. But what we need to do is entice users to leave a photo review. So not just the text, but also a photo and be able to give them a little extra bonus for that. And when I told them, they actually put it through the whole system. And now you can do that. So it's like, hey, 10 points if you leave a regular review, but 20 points if you also add a photo. And those user-generated photos can make a huge difference as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I mean, we used to call it gamification. It's still called that in some some circles. But gamifying things of like, if you give us a review, we'll give you X points. If you give us a picture, we'll do this. If you give us a video, we'll give you even more. And kind of making that tiered approach. And it just it almost, in a way, it allows your customers to engage with you. And I think that's one thing that I find a lot of stores feel like they're lacking is like, we've got products on our store, people, some people buy them, most people don't, you know, we've got less than a 50% conversion rate. So most people don't buy them. Yeah. And, and I think it's giving them some way of engaging. It's like you can send in a picture. I mean, from the merchant's point of view, having customer pictures of like, you know, these are 20 customers wearing these shoes, absolutely brilliant having a video of like you know here's a quick and it's what video wise um seems to do pretty well is it cuts together little snippets of video all back to back with a soundtrack so you can see like 20 customers in about 40 or 50 seconds oh, nice. wearing this product and loving it and you're like wow that one's in tokyo that one's on a beach that one's climbing a mountain these guys are on you know venice beach in la like it's, it's just really cool to see that see that kind of different different side of things and as i say it's gamifying it so there's something in it for the customer as well there's something for them to actually bite into which is the loyalty points, you know, there's a reason why they'd want to do that. We've always had, I mean, even just looking at kind of dry text reviews for a sec, we've had so many clients in the past, and I'm sure there's people listening right now who feel like this as well, is we don't want to offer, you know, an opportunity for people to complain. And that's what they think reviews are going to be. So we sort of turn it on. I, I call it, we turn it on in secret. So we turn on the review platform. We won't put it on the site yet. Let's generate and accumulate some reviews first. Then we'll put them on the sites. And then, the, you know, the, the brands are always, you know, find it absolutely phenomenal to be like, I had no idea people were so happy. And that one's that, that, that one there's mentioned Gary in customer service team, you know, and how friendly Gary is. Gary is friendly. And it's it's amazing seeing their reaction at that point. And then you start to use them. So, yeah, imagine adding that in, a, in an image and then into a, into a video as well. It's, it's, just, it's just so powerful to sell that product. And actually a quick tip for that one about people that are worried about getting the reviews. Mm. So one thing we do is when we're asking for the review, we say, hey, if you absolutely love the product, here's where you leave a review. If there was any sort of issue that you need to let us know uh, that so we can be aware of what's going on or help solve a problem, email us here. Mm. So it kind of splits that 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 customer that might have an issue uh, to just email more of the customer support route instead of leaving the bad review. And it's actually worked out really well. 
It's so simple to do. I, I've seen a slightly alternative version where, and it, this one's really naughty, and I don't, I don't know what the legalities are on this. I'm not a lawyer. If anyone's listening for the first time, this is just what, just a discussion we had. But one of our, one of our clients years ago said that what they were going to do is put a on an email, put five images of five stars, and say, "How would you rate this?" And if you click on like one or two, it would automatically open a customer service email. And you could really just send an email to customer Ooh. service. If you put three or more, it would take you through to the review platform. But what it, it completely backfired. That, that one in particular, I think your way of doing it's great because they can still leave that one star review if they want or the customer service link. You know, if there was a problem, just talk to us. We'll try and deal with it. But it backfired because people then realized what was going on. So they would hit like four or five stars, get into the review platform and then put one. And then people started commenting saying, I even had to like, you know, battle my way onto the review platform to even give this one star. It's like, okay, this has been a PR disaster. And on things like, I mean, we, we, we do a lot with Trustpilot. I'm literally drinking out one of their water bottles right now from a, a conference we went to recently in London. But Trustpilot, like once a review's written, it's there forever. So that brand did have some serious problems when things like that happen. So yeah, you've got to be so careful with, with customer feedback and with reviews. You, it, it's one of those things where like, it's fine if a customer's not been happy, but you need to respond accordingly and deal with that. And that, that's actually more powerful than just a pool of happy customers. I think. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a good idea to have a website that just has all good reviews anyway. I mean, definitely allowing just some, I mean, you have to be careful with that, right? So you don't want, it really sucks when you have a new product in the first review, you just, someone didn't understand the product, something happened and you get a one-star review. You're like, okay, this is going to be really hard to keep selling this product to get the reviews that it deserves. So, you know, kind of managing through that is always kind of a tough challenge when starting out, especially where you have no reviews on your whole entire website. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Right. We're going to change gear completely, Mikey. You mentioned a figure before we came on, and I think anyone listening to this is going to want to know how you got there. You guys have done over $2 million of revenue in a single month. Talk us through that, because it sounds like there's a bit of a story behind it. Well, yes, indeed we have. And yeah, that was a busy month. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I bet it was. <laughs> that's that's in the middle of COVID. And just, yeah, we had been pushing hard. I mean, it was the buildup of many years of building the brand. So this is not something that happened overnight. This is, we're in year, you know, this is probably year eight of the business. And we just had a bunch of big events for sales. I came up with this idea where we, inside our showroom, we're generally closed on Sundays. And I said, hey, we're gonna have this event. It's called Wholesale Day. And what happens at wholesale, you can buy products cheaper. And it's just kind of a cool way to say, hey, everything's on sale. And we have a limited menu. And we kind of really worked it out. I actually use a Shopify, one of my expansion stores, to sell tickets. So it costs $10 to go to the event to shop with us. Wow. <laughs> I actually built in one of the, there's, uh, I think it's called Event Manager. It's one of, their, one of the ticketing programs with Shopify. It's phenomenal. Uh, so we sell tickets. The reason why I had to do tickets was prior to this, the first wholesale day, everyone showed up right when we opened and we had a line, like I'm trying to think, I, I know you're like in UK, so it's, 
you know, it's a little, I don't know what uh, amusement park you have there, but say like Disney World over there, just open a new ride and you have like a line all the way down the block <laughs> to get on this ride. That basically was what it's like to get in our tiny showroom here in Atlanta. So I said, okay, that's a disaster. So I need to figure out how to solve this. So we built out the <laughs> ticketing system to have time. So you have a time slot when you come to show up. So we did a couple of those events. We've just pushed, I mean, normally say, okay, we're going to send emails this many times, text messages this many times a week. I said, this is the month, guys. We're breaking all records. We're just going all in. And it seems like just everything aligned yep. and worked out really well. And there was some definitely some late nights packing orders. So we pack orders <laughs> in-house. We don't use like a 3PL or anything. Um, so yeah, definitely some late nights. But really, it was just a combination of all our marketing efforts over the years of building up all sorts of lists and subscriber lists and SEO and just kind of it was the perfect storm that month. And yeah, that was a pretty amazing number to hit. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, when you talk about packing orders late one night, I, I've tried to, I've tried to train, train my brain to understand what's a good problem and a bad problem. <laughs> I think being up super late one night packing orders is not a bad problem by any capacity. Oh, it was many nights. To, there was many nights we were there till midnight. Yeah, I was like, all right, yeah. guys, I'm going to get pizza or Thai food, whatever you guys want, whoever can stay. Like, <laughs> even if you're not even packing orders, uh, like so, that's not your position. I mean, whoever would just volunteer to make extra money. I was just like, please stay. We're, we're just barely staying above water right now. Nice, nice. And I think, I mean, hitting those milestones is great. But as you say, and I mean, one of my big messages is all, to anybody and especially in e-commerce is always that it always looks greener on the other side than it actually is. And I think hearing someone's had an amazing month, the fact that you started by saying, look, this wasn't just, we didn't just wake up and suddenly it was like, oh, look, $2 million in a month you know, in month two of the business, it, it took a long time to build up to that. There was a lot of planning. There were things going on driving into that as well. I guess one of the challenges for, for most businesses is trying to work out what things should I be doing to get these kind of figures to come in or to have a have an enormous month like that. So I guess it, to kind of turn it on its head a little bit, Mikey, what did you guys go through? What thought process to decide what to do to make a month like that happen? Like, how did you decide to run that event, sell tickets, etc.? It's the same thing as every month, really. It's to focus on what's most important. You know, with e-commerce, you got to build lists. And I, when I say build a list, I think of, okay, people, oh yeah, email list, SMS list. I think of all social followers as a list. So where are you bought building up your followers? We've built a large Facebook community. So I have about, we're just right at about 40,000 members in a very, very active group. I've actually posted in that group one to multiple times a day for about eight years straight. So that I consider a list. Anytime you can kind of collect customer data and then start building a community around that data is something you should really focus on. Obviously, good design, keeping your website clean. You know, we continuously are trying to update our websites to make it look clean. The user experience, the UX behind it, site speed, all this stuff is so very important. One of the biggest things I see a lot of sites make the mistake of is they set up their website, whether it's their own products or they're using a dropshipper, and they their site is only selling. And really, none of us like to be sold. Your site should be educating. Yep. So the reason why uh, somebody doesn't 
generally buy your product is they have a question about it. So what you really need to focus on is answering all questions. So it's kind of like, you know, the customer's like, well, I wonder about this. Oh, this says that there. How uh, is this going to actually ship this week, next week? When? I know there's a lot going on. Oh, it's going to ship today. Oh, wow. Right. Having all that information front and center. So you answer all the questions ahead of time makes a huge difference because once you kind of alleviate all those questions that they have and problems with that potential order, they're just going to buy. So really focusing on that is really the key to success to have a $2 million a month just getting started. Or, you know, obviously my next goal is to do a $3 million a month. So it's, it's just really doubling down on what works. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I guess, I mean, you mentioned right at the start, I mean, I, I, and I put myself in the same boat, you made more than enough mistakes to then start learning, what shouldn't I do, which then starts defining what I should do. And I think one of the things new stores and early stage stores really need to focus on is, I mean, obviously you don't set out to make a mistake. I mean, that's just insanity. But, but setting out knowing that not everything's going to go right, that you're going to have to invest some money to test things. I've certainly been put under the cosh a little bit in the past where it's like, we're setting up some Google shopping campaigns. We are the only thing driving revenue into a brand new website um, or driving customers hoping for revenue from a brand new website, nothing to go on. And they're almost completely at the end of their like investment. And it's like, just avoid ending up in that scenario if possible. And it doesn't mean just get more money. It's like plan better to go, right, we're going to have a year, maybe even two of just testing things throughout that year. Because then we find out what works in certain months. We find out which campaigns work, what channels work at different times. And it kind of relieves a lot of pressure on everybody because we're not sitting there going, we have to make a return from this. There's no alternative. Our investors are going to be screaming at us down the phone. It actually means everybody's a little bit more composed and it means you're open to understanding that not every channel is going to work. But equally, as soon as we find a channel that does work, we find some sort of marketing or advertising that makes us some money as a good example, we're going to throw the kitchen sink at it. You know, once it works, we're just going to keep, you know, increasing budget because the more we increase the budget, the more revenues in our pockets. So as long as the ROI adds up, we're just going to keep going with this thing. We're going to keep growing, growing, growing. And we're generating customers. And then oh, what could we do with them next? Let's get a second order, a third order. Well, even that process, some of our newer clients that have you know, sort of launched their stores with us and we've started out, when we've eventually got kind of like PPC and SEO working for them, then there's this next big challenge of like, now, how do we get a second order from everybody? And then once they're doing that, then it's like, well, now, how do we, how do we continue getting orders from them? Loyalty programs and all the rest of it. And so I think kind of, as you say, it's, you've, you've got to just keep trying stuff. I mean, if you never try anything, you can guarantee you're going to get the same results as you've been getting previously because you've not changed anything yet or, or they're going to slowly get worse because competitors are going to pick up. 1000%. I mean, if, if you're new in the industry and you don't really have a big budget, you know, I always say, hey, focus on free first, right? Get all the free stuff that you can do, learn as much as you can. But if you're going into this knowing that you are going to mess things up and you will, it's just a lot easier mentally because a lot of people don't realize that how what you do mentally is so important for entrepreneurship relative just to you sitting in the front of a computer and typing and actually manually doing stuff, mm. right? So if you prepare yourself mentally, it just can go a long way with your success in the business by far. An interesting question I've asked quite a few guests actually, and I'll ask you the same one now is if you could go back and you knew you're going to go through all the things you've been through, would you do it again? Most definitely. Interesting, because a lot of them say no. 
Yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, wasn't expecting that answer, but no, but it's a very interesting point. It's so important. I mean, really, I, I think of my journey. I actually, I don't, I don't know if I, you know, I wrote a book during COVID actually in 2020. I started, it took almost a year called Fearless Beauty. And I, the first four chapters are all about mindset. And a lot of these kind of things come up about my journey as an entrepreneur because I messed up so much, but it, it wasn't until I really realized that I kept messing things up that I started making shifts and changes in my life. And without those mistakes and all those other things that I've been through, I also don't think I would appreciate what I have today because I was so broke when I started just even this business about nine years ago. I mean, my bank accounts were negative, credit was gone, everything, right? So like I came from that, started this business with I mean, almost nothing. I borrowed the money from my mom and my business partner put in his half. And, you know, I basically from the beginning ran everything, you know, to turn it into an eight figure business pretty quickly, you know, to rank in the Inc 500, all these kind of things without outside investment. I mean, it's all possible, but it was possible because not only did I work my butt off, it's because I changed my mind. Like I had a mind shift and I was just thinking about, I was so broke before I'm never going back. Just that simple. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Definitely. No, I completely, I completely understand. And I've just, I've literally just gone on, uh, gone on Amazon and found your book, Fearless Beauty. Yeah, I'm going to give it a quick read. Um, I've, I'm going to hold in a few weeks. I've been looking for something to, uh, yeah, a couple of different books to take with me. But I think you're right. I, if I, I mean, I'm in a very different industry to you. If I rewind the clock, would I do it again, knowing what I know now? I, I'm not, I'm genuinely not sure I would, just because of all the complicated hardships and other things. However, if I could go back with the knowledge I've got now, I'd be like, send me, <laughs> you know, straight away. It's, there's so many things I wouldn't, I wouldn't get wrong because I know what I'm doing. But, but it's all part of the journey, isn't it? There's nobody I've spoken to that's had any level of success that I've sat down and gone, how was it? And they're like, oh, it's a breeze. No. <laughs> you know, it's nice and easy. <laughs> like, absolutely not. But I think when you, when you experience that pain, that the, when you do get to the other side, if you don't experience that pain ever in your life, then... I just don't think that your level of appreciation for what you have would be as great. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, look, Mikey, what an amazing note to end on. It's been a pleasure having you with us today. How do people reach out to you? How can people get in touch? How can they find your your Shopify store, your book? And all the other different things you're doing, especially the podcast. Yeah, for sure. So I guess a few different channels. Uh, don't email me because I'll never see it. Google has this. <laughs> Google has my inbox. Like They're like, if you don't, email back and forth with this person for a while. It'll never make it in my inbox. Um, (laughs) So I would say you can hit me up on Instagram. It's at Moran Mikey, M-O-R-A-N-M-I-K-E-Y. Feel free to shoot me a message in the DM. All good. If I don't read it right away, it's probably because I'm busy, but I will get to you with any specific questions. My book, you can find it on Amazon, Fearless Beauty, The Hair Business Blueprint. It's called The Hair Business Blueprint, but really it's a plug and play for any entrepreneur. I wrote that book and it's the book I wish someone handed me when I was just first starting out as an entrepreneur. I mean, really, really, it's it's one of the more honest approaches to entrepreneurship I think you'll ever read. And then my my podcast is called Hair Biz Radio. So it's mostly about the hair business, but we do talk about, you know, similar topics sometimes, but really it's really honed down for the beauty industry. Those are probably the best ways. Oh, and my website, uh, the main website, we have 
a lot these days is privatelabelextensions.com. So that's mostly for our beauty products and links to our showrooms. We have six showrooms, about to be seven here in the U.S. And uh, maybe one of these days I'll be able to hop over the pond, as I think they call it. And, yeah. You know, I got a lot of potential clients over there. I get messages all the time. I just if we just have so far to go over here in the U.S. But, yeah, it's probably the best way to get in contact with me. Nice, nice. Well, yeah, if ever you're doing anything in the UK, definitely reach out. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show today, Mikey. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Cool. And for everybody listening, back again next week, as always. Um, I can guarantee we've got an episode next week because I'm recording it at 7am tomorrow morning. So next week, we will definitely have an episode. Hope you're staying safe. And uh, yeah, feel free to hit up winningwithshopify.com. Send us some messages some feedback, topics you want us to cover. Also, if you want to sponsor, become a guest, etc, etc. Reach out. We're open to all ideas on this show. Thanks a lot. And we'll see you again soon. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter for exclusive offers at winningwithshopify.com. And don't forget to check out our Facebook group by searching for Winning with Shopify on Facebook. Over and out.